we're imperfect beings trying to make the best we can of a crazy world as we learn and as we grow. And all of us will go through moments of doubt. Self-doubt isn't a bad thing. Self-doubt keeps us humble. Self-doubt keeps us vulnerable. And so it's important to understand that. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Can humans influence each other with thoughts alone and with their mind? Can they get them to make decisions, act, uh, buy something, date them with just thinking without talking? Yes and no. Okay, yes and no. Okay. So, so no, you cannot get someone to buy something. You cannot, you cannot get someone to date you just by thinking about it, right? Like that, that there's no evidence for that. We can think about law of attraction, visualization, but you know, the evidence is a bit sketchy. But this is what fascinates me. I'm fascinated by the idea that animals of the same species can seem to connect with each other across distance, mm. right? There's this... There are studies um, that have started emerging right now um, showing that animals sometimes can, can, that move in herds can be deeply connected to each other. One study which was really interesting was the, the study of monkeys in a particular island in Japan. So in a particular island, one monkey learned to use a tool in a unique way, say a piece of rock to open a shellfish. Very soon, all of the other monkeys imitate and learn that. And that's cool. But then... When about a hundred monkeys on that island have learned that particular method, the same species of monkey on a neighboring island, far away, like way beyond what an average monkey can swim, starts deploying the same tool. No way. And so scientists were wondering, is there a form of knowledge or consciousness transfer across similar species? Now, again, there's a whole new field of quantum biology that's emerging. It might help us understand it. We don't understand it, but we seem to see this. And we see this not just in science, but in spirituality. One of my favorite quotes on love by the Rumi is this, I can close my eyes and talk to you in a thousand silent ways. Mm. And this quote means a lot to me because right now on this trip, I this is the longest I've been away from my eight-year-old daughter. Mm. And I felt guilty about it as a parent uh, because I've been on this crazy book tour. I've never been separated from my children for four and a half weeks, never. But I know they are good and I know they know I love them and that I haven't forgotten them mm -hmm. because every morning when I kick off my meditation, I kick off my six-phase meditation process by seeing my daughter's face wow. and just beaming love to her. Now, the question is, we know that when you do that, okay, when you see the face of someone you love and you beam love to them, we know that there's a physiological difference in your body. In your body, but what in, about in, their okay, body? So, let, so first, let, let's talk about the science for your body, uh -huh. right? So what I just described, this idea of seeing the face of someone you love and beaming love to them is actually how you kick off the six-phase meditation, which mm -hmm. is the protocol I designed. Mm -hmm. And the evidence comes from the HeartMath Institute of Los Gatos. So there they measure something called heart resonance, which is a biomarker of health. And they found that your heart resonance shows a healthier pattern almost instantaneously when you see the face of someone you love and you just feel that love really? for them. Crazy, right? And this is what you call the, the circle of love and compassion. Circle of love. And then you, and then phase this one of the six phase. This is not sitting around in a circle and singing kumbaya it's not with kumbaya. people. No, 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 no. But no. it's having love and compassion for people in your life or maybe Beaming people love. you don't yeah, know. Yeah, it could be your lover. It could be your pet. It could be your child. But so when you, when you do that, you relax. We know that. We know you relax. We know not only do you relax, but you feel more compassion. Uh -huh. So the way you, you learn it in the six phases, you learn a particular practice. We start with a heart mat protocol. Then we expand to a protocol from Zen Roshi Buddhism where you expand that compassion across the room, 
your home, then your city, your state, your country, mm-hmm. then the entire world, and it actually puts you in a really beautiful state of open-heartedness mm. and kindness. And evidence shows that when you do this, there are certain beneficial effects to your body and your mind. Anxiety, for example, reduces. You feel more socially connected to the people around you. You get less triggered. If somebody says something that doesn't agree with you politically, or if someone cuts you off in traffic, you're less likely to react. You have compassion. You have compassion. There's a, there's a whole, there are multiple books, multiple studies right now on compassion as a healing force. Mm-hmm. And that's why we start the sixth phase with it. But your question, back to your question. But can she, when can I see daughter my daughter, yeah. is my daughter feeling something and can we measure it? There was a study on this. And this is really, really, really interesting. It was done by Dr. William Broad at the San Antonio Mind Science Institute several decades ago. So they took two people. So, well, they took hundreds of people, literally hundreds of people. I believe it was in that study between five and 700 people. One group were senders, one group were receivers. Now, if you were a receiver, you were put in a room and you were hooked up to 19 different machines measuring your body. So they might measure your heart, your heart rate, your skin resistance. Your skin, when you get more relaxed, your skin resistance goes up. Why? Because micro-sweating Okay, when you're feeling a little bit of anxiety Uh and you're a little bit nervous, there are micro sweat particles appearing on your skin. But when you're relaxed, that isn't happening. Sweat transfers electricity better. So skin resistance goes up when you are relaxed. So you can measure all of these things, brainwave activity, skin resistance, heart rate, and then you can deduce, okay, this person is relaxed, this person is feeling calm, this person is feeling peaceful. Now at exactly a specific minute, they would ask the senders, beam love and positivity to the receivers say at 1.53 p.m., at precisely that time, these 19 machines that William Broad had set up would show a difference. No way. And so they found that just thinking about someone creates a physiological impact on their body. Now, can one person do it, or does it need to be a group? You hear about you know monks doing this for individuals, yeah. trying to heal them as a, as a group, and being there, and kind of like having their hands close to the individual. You hear about... So you know, groups, shared prayer groups yeah. and meditation groups, is it? Can so, so the thing that interests me is, um, so Lynn McTaggart, uh, she's a British journalist, and uh, she wrote a book called The Field. And mm-hmm. she set out to investigate all of these things and like, to see, are they real? Like Rumi's field? No, I think the field, she means the field of consciousness okay. between yeah, us, yeah. right? And so she went as an investigative journalist, and in the book The Field, she wrote everything she discovered and the overwhelming science that, we are more than just meat and bone bodies. But Lynn went on, deepened her research, and she wrote a book called The Power of Eight. And what she found is that, yes, you can influence healing in another person. I'm not saying you can heal everything, and this should always be done with your doctor, right? Alternative therapies with a doctor, but she found that the magic number is eight. If eight people are focused Mm. on an intention, it is more likely that an intention comes true. Really? Yeah. Okay. So the first part is having love and compassion because that helps you relax, mm-hmm. but it also potentially could influence the person you, you are sending that signal to. Yeah. Um, and maybe it all depends on factors. Maybe it's on how clear your energy is right. and if they're open to receiving these things, who knows? Exactly. We don't know. There's don't no more know. studies that need to yes. be done, but there's enough evidence that this is happening. There's enough evidence mm-hmm. that when you... And, and it's not just the scientific evidence, right? Because millions of people report this. Millions of people, women especially. I've seen this with mothers. I've seen this with the mother of my children. She knows when something is off. She knows when something is off with her child. And so many moms report this. So many people who, are, who, who have a close connection with someone else. There's an intuition and they, they send a yeah. text or they send a phone call and say, hey, yeah. are you okay? Are you okay? I was feeling, feeling something right. that was off or you, is everything yeah. all right? And a lot of times you hear people saying like, how did you know? Right. That's interesting. Is that the quantum field? What is, what is, is this quantum physics? Is I don't this consciousness? Think we is I, this... I, I, I don't like it when people say, oh, it's quantum physics. Because we don't know. You can't oh. just add the word quantum and then say that it explains <laughs> it things, cooler. right? Let's yeah. not do that. It pisses off all my scientist friends. <laughs> but we should accept that there are certain things in science that we cannot yet explain. Now, keep this in mind. Our knowledge of physics doubles every seven years. Wow. It doubles which means that 14 years from now, we're going to know like four times as much more as we know now. Maybe we'll figure it out. Nassim Haramin, the physicist, spiritualist, says 
Spirituality is nothing more than physics we have yet to find an equation for. Mm, that's interesting. It's true, though. Yeah. One day we will, probably. Perhaps, but right now it doesn't stop us from using it. Look, I bet you most people here have no idea how a mobile phone works, right? right. I'm a computer engineer by training. I know a little bit, but most people don't. But you can still use a mobile phone. We don't have to understand how it works to use these subtle qualities of the human mind. I mean, I, I've been saying this a lot lately to my girlfriend, Martha. I was like, oh, you know, over 100 years ago, if you imagine this like tin thing flying through the air, you'd have been like, what is this? You know, right. this is like so some god is like flying through the sky. You know, if you would have seen these airplanes before never seeing it, you'd be like, how is this even possible? Yeah. I mean, that much weight in the air flying across the world. A cell phone, I mean, 20 years ago, we weren't doing FaceTime. For me, it's mind-blowing. If we can go back and think, okay, you can just pick up a device and see your best friend or your yeah. partner or your family member from around the world in real time. Right. And actually speak to them and for hours. It's, it's kind of mind-blowing how it these is. signals all connect and work. And I have no idea how that's even possible, but it any, is. Uh, yeah, was it Carl Sagan or Isaac Asimov who said, any technology sufficiently advanced will be seen as magic? Yeah, it all seems magic to me. But yeah. once we're used to it, it's kind of like, oh, this is just, right. it's here. Okay, yeah. yeah, we're just so used to it. You know, gratitude is something that I practice on a daily basis in the morning and at night. I feel like it's the, it's the, the basis for me feeling peace yeah. and having appreciation. That's the second thing for you, happiness and gratitude. Why is gratitude so important and integral scientifically in a meditation process to have abundance in your life? Perfect, great question. So first, let, let's do a, a, a quick basis. So the six-phase meditation is six unique human qualities that you can hack within yourself in two minutes each. I'm a computer engineer, former hacker, and I used to play computer games. And sometimes I'd get really bored by the computer games when I was like 12 <laughs> or 13 years old because computers back then were in flat, flat green screen, mm -hmm. tiny pixelated people moving. And I would just hack the computer game and give myself ultimate gold and ultimate endurance, then go to the end of the game, kill the big boss, celebrate with a chocolate milkshake. But as I grew up, it occurred to me that you can hack life. Life is like mm -hmm. a computer game. We have a quest we are on, we have a mission. You can hack the qualities you need to attain that mission. And as I built up Mind Valley, where we have, um, I've interviewed thousands of people and we have the world's biggest personal growth platform, I started looking at what were the qualities of humanness that were most hackable. Because I wanted to build a 15 minute practice every single day to put me in optimal states. So the six qualities are compassion and loving kindness, mm -hmm. gratitude. The third one is the quality of forgiveness. The fourth one is future dreaming. The fifth one is commanding your day. Mm -hmm. And the sixth one is feeling blessed. Okay, so we're going from compassion, which we spoke about, mm -hmm. to gratitude. And I gotta say, Lewis, one of the things I notice about you is you are perpetually grateful. When mm -hmm. I look at your Instagram, you're constantly celebrating life. Like I know mm -hmm. some personal growth people on their Instagram, all they do is they teach something and they teach something and nothing wrong there, but you share your gratitude. Today, yeah. I saw you put up a post about Maui and how grateful you were yes. to be in Maui and seeing that elevates other people, mm -hmm. right? And so I saw your post on Maui and it uplifted me because I saw a man who was truly appreciating the world. Mm -hmm. And I believe one of the reasons you're successful is because of your gratitude, wouldn't yeah, you say? Absolutely, yeah. So scientists say that gratitude is the human characteristic most associated with overall well-being. Really? In other words, if you have one human characteristic, studiousness, um, um, confidence, of Drive. all of these human characteristics, yeah. gratitude is the one that gives you the highest correlation with personal well-being. And this is why, you know, there's a lot of different, uh, you know, professors who've done the research on gratitude as well mm -hmm. for decreasing depression and, and just creating more joy in your life. And I just think doing it in the morning, finding a time in the afternoon, and then doing it at night, if you can consistently yeah. do it throughout the day as frequently as possible, you're going to feel much more calm and relaxed. You're gonna feel more love toward yourself and for others. And it's gonna give you more peace. Yeah. And I think that's the currency that at least I want in my life the most is peace. Because from a peaceful place, then I can get into flow. And I know right. you talk about flow a lot, but you can't get into flow when you're stressed. Yeah. Gratitude unlocks that key in my mind. And not only that, but gratitude also increases your levels of happiness. Mm. And we know today from numerous signs um, that happiness fuels productivity. 
There's a whole series of books on this by yes. Sean Aker, the Harvard psychologist. His book is called The Happiness Advantage. Shahzad Shamin wrote a book called PQ, Positivity Quotient. In that book, he, said he shows scientifically a meta-analysis of all happiness studies. And one of the craziest things he said is that if you're running a company, the one thing that is most correlated with the success of your team is the overall positive state of the team. Mm -hmm. And gratitude is that hack to get you there. That's true. But can I share with you something really yes. freaking crazy? <laughs> we did this little experiment in our office, and all of you watching can do this experiment. We took three little Petri dishes, and you can use a simple plate, uh -huh. and we put seeds on this, like some cotton bud with water and seeds. Okay, so A, B, and C. So in one, it was basically the control group. We didn't do anything different, we just left it by a window. The second one was um, the negative test, mm -hmm. where we would, my team would look like, at the seed. I hate you, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hate you, you're, <laughs> you're a stupid ugly. little plant, you're an <laughs> ugly seed. I bet when you sprout, your leaves will be upside down, wow. you'll be tiny, the other plants won't like you, you're a puny little pathetic plant and I hate you, okay? <laughs> now the third one, or, or as nasty as you can get when you're talking to a plant, now the third one, we just praise it with compliments. You are going to have the most beautiful green leaves. You are going to be so beautiful. You're going to light up a room. I'm so proud of you. You're going to grow so tall and healthy. Okay, now look at the picture. This is the picture. And you can see the control group is mid-size. The one that we insulted, the negative plant, the leaves are literally upside down. No way. And it's tiny and short. Now look at the tall one. That's the one that we express gratitude and appreciation to. So... Anybody can do this. In mm -hmm. fact, in some schools in the United States, they are using this as an exercise mm -hmm. to teach people the horrors of bullying. Because when you see how your words can affect a plant, which is a different species, you understand that your words can affect your body. Mm -hmm. Your words can affect other people. And by the way, all of these plants have the same amount of sunlight, the same amount of water. The only thing different was the emotion that was being passed to the plant. So when I said there is evidence that we can send love across time and distance, when I quoted Rumi, I can close my eyes and talk to you in a thousand silent ways. This is one of the most interesting experiments you can do on your own. But this experiment shows two things. It shows phase one, compassion works. If we can influence the biology of plant life, imagine what this can do for human life. Yes. And phase two, gratitude, same thing is happening over here. We're expressing gratitude for that plant as it's blooming. Mm -hmm. But it also shows you how negative energy can really mess things up. The next time you think a negative thought about someone, what if, and we, I don't know if there's any studies on this, but what if just like you were hurting the plant, you were physically hurting another person? Wow. And when you understand that, you start really watching your thoughts. But let's go deeper. That plant is distant from you. It's practically a different species. What about the cells in your body? Your body is not purely human. Your body is roughly 96% human, 4% microbiome. So your gut, your throat is filled with microbiome. There are more bacteria cells in your body than human cells. And this microbiome, they work with your body. They create emotions. They keep you well. When your gut is, is off, not only is your digestion off, but your, your brain chemistry is off. Serotonin, today we know 90% of serotonin, which is the happiness chemical, is produced in the gut and goes through the vagus nerve to the brain. Wow. If we can influence plants, we can influence bacteria. And this bacteria is literally part of us. So what are we doing to our bodies when we think a negative thought, when we blame ourselves, when we say, gosh, I don't know how someone could date me, or God, why did I make this mistake again? Gratitude is the opposite of that. Mm. You're saying, I freaking love my life. This is so incredible. And so when we do the sixth phase, we express gratitude in a three-by-three three matrix, three things that you're grateful for in your work life, three things about your personal life, which would be you know, your, your, your love, your children, your home, and then three things about yourself, your body, your gut microbiome, your, the fact that you have great skin and hair, the mm. fact that you're a generous tipper. In our world, we are told, don't do that. It makes you a narcissist. Bad advice. More people lack self-love than they have too much love, right? Mm -hmm. And if you start with the basis of compassion, you can't be a narcissist because you start by giving compassion to everyone. Then you give yourself compassion. 
And I want to encourage everyone out there to try this plant experiment because once you see how your words and your thoughts can influence plant life, you start understanding just how powerful it is on your mm. own biology and the people you love. Mm -hmm. I love this analogy. And I think there was a documentary called What the Bleep that did mm -hmm. the water experiment with the words yeah. on the water. And I don't know if you saw this yeah. documentary back in the day where it's like you put hate or love and it turned into beautiful crystals or like dark moldy yeah. crystals in the water when you put it in the freezer. Um, and I think that's an interesting concept about the intention of words and energy on something, water, plants, food, people, right? you know, and on yourself. And imagine if you're constantly saying horrible things about yourself internally or saying it publicly, why would good things happen to you? Yeah. If you have this victim mentality. So I, I'm a true believer of what you appreciate appreciates in value and what you discount continues to discount yeah. in value as well especially with yourself, the self-love. Do you feel like you always loved yourself and said good things to yourself? No, but... Or when did you learn to fully love yourself? So one of the things is when I was growing up, um, so what our, what our mind's belief creates our reality. Now, I discovered this when I was approximately 13 years old. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host so listen we all know life is full of yada yada like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print and i know you've dealt with yada yada before like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else and yes it is possible to outsmart yada yada like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is all already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So I grew up in Malaysia, a developing country. And, you know, back then, I probably turned 13 in 1989 or something. And back then, we didn't know that much about the mind. Personal growth wasn't a thing. And what happened was, I remember my first pimple. I looked in the mirror <laughs> How and I you? saw my pimple. I was 13 years old <laughs> and a, an aunt, right? And, and back then I also, you know, like many kids, I also had dandruff, like I had uh -huh. itchy scalp. You, and got my, great, you got great hair and skin uh, now, I do, man. I do, now, I do now, but here's what happened. A well-meaning aunt came to me, put her hands on my shoulder and said, oh, don't worry, this is so normal. You're now a teenager. And because you have dandruff, your dandruff is going to fall off your scalp. It's going to land on your face and it's going to cause even more pimples oh. and you'll just have pimples. And that's okay. All teenagers have it. She was trying to be nice, but she programmed me. And she programmed me with bad signs. I mean, dandruff doesn't fall on your face and right. cause pimples. <laughs> right. But as a result, from 13 to 17, I had the most horrible acne breakouts. My, I remember my mom taking me to dermatologist, like injections sometimes on my oh, skin, man. all of these creams. Um, 
And, and I felt ugly. And the kids in school didn't help. I was the smart kid. I was the nerd with the glasses. And, and the acne. All the other kids hate you. Yeah, yeah. And so I remember being in the lunch line and a big bully behind me singing, pimple face is here, pimple. And so it just wrecked my ego. Mm. I didn't have many friends. I felt I was unattractive. I remember, you know, as puberty kicked in, I would have a crush on a girl, but I couldn't even talk to her. I never went on my... I never went on a date with anyone until I was 22 years wow. old, right? Like pretty much senior year of college. But this is what happened. My dad dis- helped me discover a book called The Silva Method. Okay, mm-hmm. today The Silva Method, uh, and it's now called Silva Ultramine, is part of Mind Valley, and I'm the face of Silva Ultramine. It was, it's one of the meditation approaches I, I espouse. But back then, my dad helped me discover that book. And in that book, I read that your skin is the organ most susceptible to the human mind. And that was the first clue, was I manifesting bad skin. So in the book, Jose Silva thought a protocol called creative visualization at the alpha level. Now that is phase four of the sixth phase, mm-hmm. right? So we, we bring creative visualization into phase four. And we use phase four of the sixth phase to manifest an ideal future. You can manifest a goal, but you can also manifest help. And the skin is the easiest one. So this is what you learn to do. And again, I, I talk about it in my book. You see, like a, imagine like a giant movie screen in front of you, and you use symbolism to talk to your subconscious. So just like my well-meaning aunt said, you're going to have pimples throughout your teenage years. You're going to reverse that command to your subconscious. So you see your skin, and then your subconscious speaks in symbolism. You tell it a new story using symbolism. It doesn't have to be scientific. You don't have to understand the, the, you know, that the skin has 60-something layers and, and sebaceous glands and all of that. You simply speak to your subconscious with symbolism and you see your skin heal. Now, this is the symbolism I used. I imagined that I was sitting in a peaceful location and around me were trees. And I imagined as if I can reach my arms out and grab a green cream from these trees, put this green cream all over my face, then like Iron Man, I can blast a healing laser. Mm. And as I... As I, as I put this green cream over my face, it absorbs all the oil and all the dead skin and all the pimples, and I pull it off, and then I toss it away. And now I have a nice healthy layer of skin. Then I reach up to the sky, and I grab a blue cream from the sky, and I put this blue cream on my face. And then again, like Iron Man, I shoot out this laser, and as I blend over the blue cream, it blends in and forms a new layer of smooth, healthy skin. Now, Jose Silva said, if you're attempting to do healing of this sort, It's a three-minute approach. You're literally visualizing this for three minutes, but three times a day. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. Three minutes, three times a day, while at a relaxed level of mind, commonly called the alpha level. You're lowering your brainwave frequencies. And I talk about how to get there in the book. In five weeks, Lewis, I healed my skin. I had skin disease for five years, right? Not just acne, horrible, acute acne. I healed it in five weeks. And my skin today is, is... much is so young. It's young, youthful. Given my age, I'm I'm going to be 47. Right? Yeah, it looks really. So good. I've used the same thing to reverse graying. I, I was graying uh, maybe six, seven years ago, and then I reverse graying on my hair. I actually like graying off my beard, so I like <laughs> that. Right. Um, wow, you reversed was, it by doing that practice. Yeah, yeah. So you can command your body. You can command your body, and you know I've seen this in other ways. Uh, in October 2020, in the midst of the pandemic, I was going through a lot of anxiety and stress because I was moving countries. And my eyesight went up to 2040. The doctor told me I needed glasses, and I simply commanded my eyes to heal. And in about a week or two, I went back to 2020, mm-hmm. right? So you have, we all have command over our bodies. Our mind influences our bodies. And there's evidence for this. People with multiple personality disorder show different health symptoms when different personalities Isn't take that over. Interesting. You can Google this. This is crazy. So when a different personality sets in, their eyesight changes. Mm-hmm. They can go from needing glasses to having perfect 20-20 vision. What is going on? How much of our body is our mind manifesting this illness? And when we can learn to talk to our bodies and command our bodies to heal, amazing things can happen. How old are you when you do this acne thing? I was 17. Yeah. It's interesting you say this because I believe in all this because I've done this myself many times. When I was 18, uh, I was playing college football. I don't actually think I've told this on the podcast. I've told friends this, but since you went there and talked about it, I was like, well, okay, I can share it now. Um, I had a, I was 18, I was playing football in Minnesota, my freshman year of college. Uh, 
and I'm the only freshman playing on the offensive side of mm-hmm. the of the team. Most of the freshmen redshirt, which is mean right. they they practice but they don't play, so you get an extra yeah. fifth year when you're a senior. But I was like, I want to play. I want to play as a freshman, and so I'm playing. But it's it's so grueling and demanding, right? It's I'm learning a new system. There's a playbook that I have to learn. You're you're going against upperclassmen. It's it's demanding. For whatever reason, I start getting these. I mean, it's pretty nasty. I have like probably 50 to 60 little black warts on the bottom of my feet. Like little planter warts on the bottom of my right. feet. Probably athlete's foot, just like yeah, being in the locker room, walking that. around like, you know, with a bunch of 100 sweaty guys and just not showering right afterwards, whatever it was. So I had these like little black, they were so painful to walk. Just to touch on mm-hmm. it was extremely painful. It felt like it was a, a little needle sticking right. up, but 50 to 60 of them in each foot. And I would just kind of like grunt it out, but then it got so painful I couldn't play. So the the nurses on the team, they like tried to scalpel them out, right? With a scalpel, no numbing, no nothing. Just like trying to pick these like little warts out. It was so painful I had to stop. I was like, I can't do this. And every time I was in, you know, in football cleats, the cleat would kind of stick up and just the pressure point was excruciating, right? So. My sister Heidi gave me a practice, a meditation practice back at this time. It's kind of when I started to learn meditation was in, in college. She said, I think you can heal yourself. And I grew up in a religion that, that, that really practiced healing yourself with your thoughts and your mind. So she gave me a meditation and I used this kind of healing practice from the religion I learned. And in literally two weeks, they all went away. They were getting worse and worse, but then I started this practice and I went into a relaxed state. I put calming music on, and I imagined myself laying in a river, kind of like you did with nature, yeah. pulling up these leaves and these trees and kind of bringing this cream to your face. I imagined myself laying in a river of golden healing light. And it was flowing through the top of my head and pulling out all the toxins in my body and flushing out these kind of warts on my feet at the bottom. And I would imagine them releasing from my feet and going away. Within two weeks, I had perfect feet, like the bottom of my feet, all these words were gone. And I was like, this is mind blowing. No one had to like pick these out with knives. I didn't have to take medication. I released it with my mind and thought and intention by going into a relaxed state, kind of like what you talk about in your meditation practice. Amazing. I didn't know what it was doing necessarily. I didn't have like a whole system, but it was like I was practicing this visualization strategy at 18. And it's something I still do today. So let's break that down, right? From, From theory of healing. So I had plantar warts as well, mm. and I healed it too. But here's the interesting thing. I healed my skin uh, at 17, and I got the plantar warts at 20, uh, 22. I was living in New York, and it, it really was painful, so painful. So painful. And then I met a girl, the, the woman, I, Christina, the woman I would ultimately end up marrying, and I went to Norway to visit her. And I remember you know, lying in bed with her, and I had all of these plasters on my feet. I was like, embarrassed. For her to see my feet. Right. I was literally trying to hide my feet because yeah. I thought she would reject me. Okay, but here's what had happened. Before I'd flown to Norway, I went, I'd had the plantar warts for several months. Finally, I went to a doctor um, and I asked him, what will it take to take this away? And he says, it's very simple. We shoot a laser. We, 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 we have to them. cut it out. We uh. have to cut it out, but you're going to have um, like little holes in your feet. And I said, heck no. Then I got a second, I went to a second doctor and the doctor said, no, that's rubbish. All we got to do is shoot a laser and it'll be gone. You have nothing to worry about. And the doctor didn't realize it, but his words, you have nothing to worry about, healed me. So I go to Norway. I'm sitting with Christina, the woman I would uh, ultimately marry. Um, and uh, we're, we're now divorced, but we are, we are great friends. We were together for 19 years. And as we are sitting there in bed, holding each other, having the most, being in the most blissful states, the next day I wake up and I'm trying to clean my plaster and the warts are gone. Two things happen. The first thing is that the doctor had told me, you have nothing to worry about. So I expected that my reality was gonna be wart free mm-hmm. because I knew even if it did, either way this doctor could take care of it. Second thing, I was in a blissful loving state, in a state of compassion, in a state of gratitude because I met this incredible woman and it activated the healing effect. Yes. Now, this is why when we do the sixth phase, phase one, two, three, are about these blissful states, compassion, gratitude, then forgiveness. Then you go to phase four where you're manifesting and or healing. Okay, but here's, the, here's what is going, that, going on there from healing theory. 
Jose Silva. Um, so his work is uh, an inspiration for phase four, creative visualization. He says there's a, a specific model that you got to implement in your thoughts for the healing to work. It's mm. not just about visualization. It's the DBE model. You must have desire for the outcome, desire for the healing, or desire for you know, the house or whatever. I had that desire because I thought, oh my God, if a woman sees this, I will <laughs> yes. never get a girlfriend. <laughs> and it's so freaking painful walk right. walking. So you have that desire. If you don't have that burning desire, you're going to flip-flop. Your mind is yeah. going to want one thing, one, Worry, one day, stress, then something yeah. else. Now, the second thing is you must believe it, it's possible. So I believed it's possible because the doctor told me, you have nothing to worry about. But if that doctor had said, ah, this is going to be painful, it's going to last eight years, he would have affected my belief. So you must believe he yeah. is possible. Kind of like your aunt saying, oh, you're going to have this for four years. It's exactly. just, it's normal. Right. You'll be, you know. You must believe it's possible. If you don't believe, if you are just starting a business and you set a goal, I'm going to make 10 million this year and you don't believe it, don't do that. Set a goal that you believe is possible. Belief is necessary. Now, the third one is the most interesting. You must expect it to happen. When you expect it to happen, you stop worrying about it. Because the doctor has told me, you have nothing to worry about. When you come back from Norway, we'll get this fixed. I expected it to happen. And so there was no worry. And it healed itself. Before I even did, when I went to see the doctor, the doctor's like, this is weird. There's nothing here to laser. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely gone. I did this with, uh, I broke my wrist and uh, I healed my wrist, the wrist bone as well. And I had, I had x-rays and came yeah. back a few weeks later and the, the bone was healed because I did a similar process. And I did this with broken ribs and, and many other things. And um, I think when you're attached and, and hoping, like it's gonna, right. you're attached to it needing to happen, it's probably less likely to release. Yes. But when you let go of attachment, like you said, like expecting it to happen, believing, and then letting it go, yeah. allowing it to release naturally, I think is right. the key, right? Now, now here's, let, let's go crazier. The modality of healing that I talk about here with its roots in the Silva method is called imagery therapy. Mm -hmm. Dr. O'Carl Simonton of the Simonton Cancer Research Institute decided to test this out on cancer patients. And what he discovered was astonishing. He tested this out on 159 cancer patients uh, who were given 12 months to live. So this is terminal form wow. cancer, right? The average survival rate went from 12 months to 24.4 months. Now, of these patients, 17 went through, uh, 14 completely healed their cancer. 17 went through a situation where their cancer started subsiding. Mm. So this is 14 plus 17, what is that? That's 30 something. So around 30 out of 159 basically were on a part to recovery, yet all of these people were given 12 months to live. The average lifespan increased to 24.4 months. So we're not saying, O'Carl Summit is certainly not saying that this is a cancer cure, but what he's saying is that imagery therapy, when applied to even terminal illnesses, seem to increase the probability of recovery. Wow. And of course, you're doing this with your doctor's advice. Now, these patients were practicing visualization mm -hmm. using the Silva method for four months. Really? When was the study? The study, I, in the 1970s, Simonton okay. went on to say that about the Silva system, it is the single most powerful tool I have to offer patients. The doctor said this. Yes, or Carl Simon. Well, I think, it, you know, imagine if you did the reverse. If the imagery therapy of you saying, oh, this is, I'm going to die soon, you know, you're putting more stress right. and worry on it. You look at the the pain or whatever the, the disease is and you think about how it's going to expand. Yes. Then you'll probably expand it faster. Exactly. Right. right. If you reverse the imagery therapy. Right. And, and sometimes disease is manifested as a punishment on ourselves. Really? Which is why phase three is forgiveness. In phase three, you practice an eight-step forgiveness protocol that uh, was pioneered by two, two pioneers, uh, Dave Asprey of 40 Years of Zen and Dr. Jim Hart of the BioCybernaut Institute. And what they found is that this forgiveness protocol has a healing impact on your body, but also puts your brain waves in a state most comparable to Zen Roshi monks who have spent 20 to 40 years in meditation. What we mean by that is high alpha amplitude, left, right brain coherence, forgiveness. Now, forgiveness of yourself and of yourself others. and other people, anybody who has wronged you and you've had brutal things happen to you, mm -hmm. Lewis. Uh, I read about that in your book. But when you forgive the person who did that to you, there's a healing impact on your body. The science of forgiveness is eerie, especially you're an athlete. An Israeli study shows that it improves endurance. A study at the University of Ithrick, it shows that forgiveness improves your vertical jump. 
No way. It also reduces anxiousness, reduces back pain, makes you sleep better, improves heart health. It's crazy. Well, when you're holding on to resentment, you're literally carrying a weight. Right. You know, an emotional weight, which makes you physically weaker. Yes. So why would you, you would yes, be able to jump higher exactly. if you're letting go of this emotional weight. You exactly. should have a little bit more lift. And theoretically, your body should be able to heal better. Should be right. Okay. So we are seeing that forgiveness improves heart health. Uh, there was a study on this and anybody can go online and type in forgiveness studies, hundreds of them. Now, you have to, so phase one is compassion. Phase two is gratitude. Phase three is forgiveness. This puts you in the right emotional states for phase four, which is where you step out from blissfulness and you go into action. And in phase four, you're either applying your mind to heal your body or to attract a goal to you. The new book you want to write, mm -hmm. your soulmate, but all of these go in a particular sequence. Now, when you forgive yourself, you typically forgive past judgment and past judgment on yourself can sometimes cause illness and disease. You know, Give me an last, example. last month, last month, I, I was surprised and so delighted to see that the number two book on Amazon was a book called The Body Keeps Score. Oh, it's a great book. Exactly, right? Powerful You've read book. it. And it talks about how our body keeps score of negativity, of trauma, of hate. Our emotions are so powerful. And there's so much evidence that shows that our emotions, our body keeps score of them. And when you can heal that emotion, and forgiveness is one of the most powerful mm -hmm. protocols, you literally heal your body. You put your body in a healing modality. Yeah, it's so powerful. I was talking to a doctor. Oh, man, I'm trying to, I've had so many different doctors. I'm trying to remember his name, but it'll come to me. But he said there were two different times in his life where he was, I don't know if it was like sick or more of like a depressed state, mm -hmm. you know, just like low energy, kind of depressed, in a funk for like a year or two. And I said, what? And then he said, and then I had like a healing and I, I started to have all this energy again and I started to thrive and my body started to recover. And I go, what, what changed? And he goes, I found love in both of those occasions. You know, beautiful. I found a beautiful partner. These were like, I don't know, 15, 20 years apart or something. And that energy allowed my body and my mind to heal. How has, how, what is the science of love in terms of healing as, as well? As a healing force, right? So again, compassion. So, so firstly, you do not necessarily need love from a partner. And mm -hmm. it's important that you learn to generate self-love. Yes. If you do not generate self-love, if you're not able to generate love from within, going into a type of relationship can be difficult because you develop neediness. And I've been there, right? Mm -hmm. we've, we've all been there at points where we lack self-love. We need it from our partner and that can push away the partner. 100%. It makes you unattractive. Yes. So in phase one compassion, we activate love as an energy by seeing the face of someone you love. And even if you are single, that face could be a nephew, a niece, a mom, a dad, a pet, your best friend, maybe a younger version of you. You feel that love in your heart, you give it a color, and then you take a deep breath and as you exhale, you imagine that love filling your entire body. You can even experience love from God or a higher power. You feel that raining down upon you and filling your entire body. And you just feel that love for yourself. Then you expand that into wider and wider circles. Mm -hmm. So love as an energy is a incredibly powerful energy because yes. the feeling of love creates all of these other delicious emotions. Range Rover Sport leads by example. Picture this. Assertive on-road performance meets commanding all-terrain capability. That's the third-generation Range Rover Sport, which is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet. This vehicle redefines sporting luxury, offering an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and effortless composure. Now available in sleek, new stealth pack, Carpathian gray exterior wrapped in satin protective film with black accents and black brake calipers. Inside the Range Rover Sport, advanced cabin technologies like active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offer new levels of comfort and refinement. And let's not forget about the award-winning Pivi Pro infotainment system. Enjoy a dynamic drive and total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Wow, that's like a spa day while on the go. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. Esther Hicks, the spiritual teacher, wrote a book called the deliberate power of emotions. And she says, you know, it's not our minds that attract. She also wrote the book, Law of Attraction, but she's very clear. It is the emotional state you're in that causes the attraction. It's not 
Oh, I'm going to see that house, so I'm going to get that house. I'm going to see myself healing, so I'm going to get that healing. It's the emotional state you're in. This is why when I designed the, the sixth phase, before you go to the manifesting part, you work on compassion, gratitude, forgiveness. This is about six minutes. You put yourself in the right emotional states. Then you go to the action-oriented manifesting. Mm -hmm. Because you're, you want to attract and manifest from a, a, an, an emotional state that has all these yeah. other things. Gratitude, yeah. love, appreciation, all these different things. Yeah. Because it's hard to attract from a negative space. Right emotional negative space right so okay here's a here's a I guess controversial question for you narcissism has been you know a massive topic in the last couple of years what is the difference between self-love and narcissism narcissism is self-love without love for others mm. we need both this is why in the sixth phase, we literally start with compassion as a trampoline mm -hmm. to everything else. You expand your love and you feel your love radiating to all life, all plant life, all animal life, all human beings, and we go into wider and wider circles. So if you were meditating here, you would see your love radiate to your entire team and even every pot of plant in your office. Then you'd expand it to the entire city of LA. You might then go on a detour, maybe see your partner, see your mom and dad, see a nephew and a niece, see your pet. Then you might expand it further to all of the United States because especially in this country, we need to bridge the gap between people of different mm -hmm. political views. So you want to see all people of the United States, regardless of color, religion, political view, as being a recipient of your love. Then you expand it to the entire world because you want to feel yourself connected to the greater human species. Yes. And studies show that not only does this make you kinder and gentler, people literally start tipping more, you know, but you get less triggered. And so there's a huge beneficial effect to you as well. When you walk the world, like your mind sees the beauty in other human beings. Even if they happen to wrong you, you see the beauty in them. Your judgment disappears and it makes you a better person, but it also makes you a person who uplifts the people around you. Mm. What happens when we judge others? Well, there's a natural thing in our mind called the fundamental attribution error, right? So what so happened? The what? It's called fundamental attribution error. So when we make a mistake, we attribute it to circumstance. But when somebody else makes a mistake, we attribute it to character. Compassion practices tune down FAE. So let me tell you something that happened to me that I'm not proud of. So I remember I was living in San Francisco and I'm walking down the street and, you know, I, I, I love this particular street. I walked on beautiful Victorian houses, really nice spot. And there's this lady in front of me and she's eating a freaking Oreo. And as she puts the Oreo in her mouth, she drops the Oreo wrapper on the mm. ground. So I'm like, how dare she does this? <laughs> right. What a horrible human being. Mm -hmm. My fundamental attribution goes up. I'm Straight talking, to judgment. I'm thinking she's horrible. She's a litter bug. So I walk up, I grab that Oreo. I go to a bin. I make sure I'm walking faster so I overtake her and I drop it in the bin and turn around and kind of give her a judgy look. And she looks at me, she stops dead in a trap. And then she starts crying. And I'm like, um, why are you crying? I'm just picking up your trash. And she goes, why do you have to be so mean? And I'm like, I'm not trying to be mean. Why do you have to litter? And she goes, listen, I'm so sorry I littered. I found out this morning that my boyfriend dumped me. Oh man. And all I wanted to do was just ease that pain with this Oreo. And my mind was mm. on so many different things. I didn't realize I dropped the wrapper. Why do you have to be such a jerk to me at this moment? And I felt like she was right. I mm. was a jerk. I labeled her a litterbug without understanding what was really happening in her soul. Mm. She wasn't a litterbug. She was a sweet woman who went through a hard time and made a mistake. And I felt bad. Wow. That's fundamental attribution error. All of us do that. Right. We all do that. Now, when you are seeing the world through the lens of compassion and emanating that compassion, if the wrapper dropped, you might pick it up still. You might drop it. But you don't feel like you need to prove the other person wrong and you wouldn't judge the other person. You know that in human life, all of us go through moments of weakness, go through moments of yes. pain. And your default thinking might more likely be, hmm, I wonder if she's okay. Yeah, I think a lot of us jump to the conclusion of, oh, if you're not, if this person's not being perfect and they, they, they falter a little bit, we, we quickly jump to a exactly. conclusion and we judge, right? As opposed to jump to compassion. Yes. We should jump to compassion, not conclusions exactly. and judgment. And, I, and when you go with, I wonder if she's okay, here's what else is happening. Firstly, you're not 
putting on more hurt onto someone who is hurt, but you are also feeling better. You don't feel like there are bad people in the world or litter bugs in the world or bad drivers in the world. You just go, oh, I wonder if they're okay. And, and a natural human response is, I wonder what I can do to help. Right. And so imagine if we did this with, if we, we, we were school teachers and we did this with a student who was going through a difficult time. Not that person is misbehaving, but I wonder if they're okay. If we did this with our coworkers, if they were having a grumpy day, we just wonder if they're okay. Yeah. Maybe they had a fight with their spouse that morning. Maybe they, had, they couldn't sleep the previous night. And so we approach the world from a different presence and the world becomes so much better. Mm-hmm. But it also makes our world safer. So why do you think it's so hard for people to actually love themselves? Why, why is it such a hard switch to start appreciating ourselves, acknowledging ourselves for the hard work, having gratitude for ourselves, for how we show up, for the things we've overcome in our lives, for the adversities we've had to tackle? Why is it so challenging for so many people? I think one of the reasons is because culturally, as a society, the way parents have been trained to raise kids the way our education system has been trained trained us is to tell us that there are certain things we do which are wrong and we have to be right. We see this in religion. There are religions that said, you can't do that. That is wrong. God is going to judge you. You are wrong. A lot of this is nonsense. Look at what's happening in Iran right now, right? Mm. Women are being told that they are sinners for showing a little bit of hair. They're being arrested by morality Crazy. police, right? And that's why the women of Iran are taking off their hijabs and protesting right now. But it's not just in Iran. Think about like the religions in the countries you are at. Think about what you've heard in many through many religious teachers. Religion is a beautiful part, and in phase six, we actually honor religion through prayer. But there's also that dark side of religion, dogma, which tells us that there are right ways and there are wrong ways, and because you make that mistake, you are a sinner and you are going to hell, and you know all of these other things. Then you look at the education system. We grade kids based on the stupidest Mm. things, right? You get an F for history, and it makes you feel like a failure. But what the is that knowledge of history gonna mean to your life in the future? Or geography, right? Nobody wakes up as an adult depressed because they can't remember, you know, the the date of the Mongol siege of Baghdad or the amount of (laughs) rainfall in Montana. We go through horrible situations in life because of heartache, because of anxiety, because of you know, dealing with stress. We don't learn any of that. So we are graded on given grades as children told, this person is an A, you got an F, you got to study harder for the stupidest things which have no bearing in future success. And then there's parenting. Parenting. (laughs) And so many parents practice discipline and they tell the kids, you need to do that. You need to do that. You're, you're bad because of this. You don't eat your vegetables, so you are going to be frail. Mm. All of us go through that stuff. If you could go back uh, 15 years ago before your first child, what advice would you give yourself before your first child that you know now as a parent yeah. from all the things you so, did well and the things that maybe you so wish you would change? here's the answer to that. Here's the answer to that. It is, it, it's, it's two parts, yes. okay? Two parts. The first part comes from the psychologist Shelley Lefko. She founded the Lefko Method, which is a belief system training. And one of the things Shelley explained to me is that the most important thing a parent can do for their child is to protect the child's beliefs. As make sure your child understand that they can heal their body, that their beliefs heal their body. Ensure your child understands that gratitude and appreciation will actually cause more good things to come to their life. Make their child understand that getting an F is meaningless. Make your child understand that compassion is Mm. an important quality. All of that, right? Protect the child's belief. Never install in your child a bad belief. So let me give you an example. I was driving uh, with my son once. It was a Sunday. It was Father Sunday. Um, And as we were were driving, my CFO calls me. It's Uh something urgent. He needed to talk to me. So I had to pick up the phone and talk to my CFO for 20 minutes in the middle of a Sunday drive with my kid. When I put down the phone, I realized that if I didn't explain to Hayden what happened, he might form a belief, dad's work is more important to me. Mm -hmm. And that belief could emerge as adulthood. Work should come before family. All of these are dangerous beliefs. So I turned to Hayden and I said, Hayden, I want you to know, you're the most important thing in my life. You, as my son, I love you so much. You're more important to me than my work. My entire company can disappear and I'd be okay. But you, 
I always love you and always want you around. I'm sorry I had to take that call for 20 minutes. Something important happened and my company needed me. However, we're going to extend this trip by another 20 minutes so we can continue spending time together because you fill me with so much joy. Mm. Do you see what happened there? Yeah. It's because in any circumstance, I ask myself, what will this tell my children about the world? Kids have a meaning-making machine. Mm. They rapidly create meaning. Right. right? Even so, if, you, if you don't tell them, they're yeah. going to make sense of it somehow. Exactly. So that's the first one. The second thing is, let your children know you love them. Like, it's so important. Like, mm-hmm. they must feel love from you. If they feel love from you, they're more likely to give love to themselves. Yes. But so often as parents, we don't do that. It's so hard, especially for men. So many men are mm. not trained to say, I love you. I practice. Like, I know my dad loves me. He why, does is it, it why is it so hard, it's though? It's weird, right? I know my dad loves me. He does the most incredible acts of service, right? Like, when I'm traveling, he'll ensure that my apartment, everything is running great. But he doesn't say, I love you. And so in my case, I tell that to my son. And it makes him a little bit uncomfortable. You know, guys get uncomfortable. My son is 15, but I'm, I tell him, Hayden, I love you. Um, when I missed his birthday because I was in this book tour, and I left him a beautiful three-minute message just talking about how much I loved him, explaining why I felt I, I, I had to do this book tour, explaining that he is the most important thing in, 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 in my life, along with his sister, and re-emphasizing, I love you. And children need to hear that. Yeah. Protect your kids' beliefs and ensure that they know without a doubt that you love them. What happens if you don't tell your kids or you don't hear from your parents that they love you? So, you know, we all have different love languages, right? <clears throat> yeah. And if you don't hear that often, all of us, all of us, we're imperfect beings trying to make the best we can of a crazy world as we learn and as we grow. And all of us will go through moments of doubt. Self-doubt isn't a bad thing. Self-doubt keeps us humble. Self-doubt keeps us vulnerable. But very often that self-doubt is, does he or she really love me? And that he or she could be your mom, your dad, your partner. And so it's important to understand that this self-doubt is a normal thing. But if we can share that with people, share our love with people, this can be a real gift today. Yeah, that's beautiful. And the sixth, the, go yeah, ahead. I, I, so I was at Burning Man recently and I, mm-hmm. I learned this beautiful technique. So I was listening to a talk by John Wineland, Annie Lala, and uh, Leila Martin. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a talk on relationships at Burning Man. And it was so beautiful. But I can't remember who of the three speakers it was. That's why I wanted to mention all their names. But they shared something really interesting. Don't just say, I love you to people, right? Especially in your partner. Don't just tell them I love you. But in your mind, practice a game called She Loves Me. Oh, he loves me. Oh, she put her arm on my shoulder as I was driving. She loves me. She made coffee for me this morning. She loves me. You're mentally reaffirming. Because most people, we do the negative thing. Oh, he's not talking to me today. Does he really love me? Oh, he couldn't make this date because he had to work overtime. Does he really love me? No, you want to practice the opposite. Mm -hmm. He loves me. She loves me. The littlest thing your partner does, you look at it and you reinforce, I am loved. And I thought this was such a beautiful exercise because I've gone through those self-doubts sometimes. Really? When I'm, yeah, yeah. Well, like when I'm dating someone or in my past relationship, but understanding the she loves me exercise really helps you feel, feel more secure. And then in turn, you can give more love. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of saying, I am loved. You know, right. whether or not someone's doing something or, or touching you or giving you something, or if you're single, just saying, I am loved. Right. You know, you don't, have to have a partner to feel loved yeah. and I think that's an important thing and when we can come from a, a foundation of I am loved you're probably going to attract more love exactly. into your life and giving that love by reiterating mm-hmm. it to your children to your lover to everyone yeah it's beautiful the sixth phase you talk about the blessing yeah what, how does the blessing complete the the circle of meditation well first let's just quickly go to phase five so phase five is commanding your day and that mm-hmm. is manifesting practice you are yes. literally practicing manifesting exactly how you want your day to unfold and we bring in some we bring in the science of it which has to do with the brain's reticular activating system and then we bring in the spirituality of it which has to do with a lot of theories from michael beckwood esther hicks and all of these great spiritual teachers now you wrap everything up in a blessing and a blessing is where you reunite, you reunite the sixth phase with whatever is your deeper spiritual or religious truth. So you're essentially saying God or the universe or a higher power or whatever you believe in, I've given my love and compassion to all life, everything that 
you've created. I've expressed gratitude for all the wonders that you've showered me with. I've forgiven people who have wronged me to seek to understand and not judge. I've laid out a three-year vision of how I want my life to be or my body to heal. And I've asked for my day to unfold perfectly. Mm. Now would you support me and bless me? That's it. That's phase six. And then I like to end it with a little fist bump to God. Because, you know, we're in the COVID era. You can never be too safe. Um, And um, the reason this is so important is because religion has a beautiful truth to it. And that is the feeling that you are blessed. When religion tells you that God is judging you, that's rubbish. That is horrible. Do not take that on. That is dogma that came from the origins of religion where they had to scare you so the churches could make money. But when religion talks about how God loves you, how you are blessed, that is the positive side we want to emphasize. Sri Kumar Rao, the, uh, the great MBA professor who brings Eastern philosophy into America's MBA school, says the most important belief we can take on, do you know what that is? The most important mm. belief is the belief that we live in a benevolent universe, that the universe loves us, is holding us, is guiding us. Mm. The universe has our back and that everything that happens to us is not happening to us, but happening for us. And that is what we're doing with this sixth phase, the blessing. I love this. I'm, I'm excited about this. The sixth phase meditation method. <clears throat> Make sure you guys get this. Um, I think it's really, everything you talked about in here are things that I feel like I've been doing, but not in a method right. standpoint. So I feel like it's helpful to have a guide, a process, yeah. a step-by-step. Yeah, this is super specific. Two yes. minutes each phase, yes. maybe three minutes to go in your meditation, come out, 15 minutes total. Um, and with the book, you get a course, the six phase meditation course. It's about 90 minutes broken up into 15 minutes a day. And at the end of six days, you've mastered the approach. And I'm personally teaching and guiding the course. Mm. And you learn all of the advanced protocols. So this is like playing any sport. You can be at the surface or you can go really deep. The deeper you go, the more feelings oh, of, of bliss you get, the more powerful you are at forgiving, the more you can manifest. And that's what we seek to do with the book. Mm. What's the best place to get the book? And you can get the you. book from Amazon, um, or you can also go to mindvalley.com forward slash six. And if you buy the book from there, you get a special crazy bonus, which is not just the online course, but uh, for a limited time, we're giving away Mindvalley's meditation app, which mm. is really cool. 500 plus meditations, binaural tracks, wow. hypnotherapy tracks from hundreds of teachers. It's completely free for you for a year. All you got to do is get it from mindvalley.com forward slash the number six. Amazing. Make sure you guys go there. Uh, follow you. Where's the main place you like to be on social media? Where should so we follow, follow you? So follow me on Instagram, at Vision, V-I-S-H-E-N. Okay, cool. You're everywhere else on social media as well, but that's your main place to hang out. Mindvalley.com is an amazing resource. Make sure you guys check that out as well. A couple final questions for you before you got to get you out mm-hmm. on a plane back to Europe. Um, <clears throat> this is a question I ask everyone at the end. It's called the three truths. So imagine a hypothetical situation. Yeah. It's the last day for you in this world, many years away. You get to live as long as you want, but eventually you got to turn the lights off. And you've accomplished and manifested everything you want in your life. Love, business, health, you know, community, all the things you want, they happen. You see your kids do things they want to do. But for whatever reason, everything you've created, this book, your mm-hmm. companies, they're all gone. We don't have access to any more information that you've put out into the world. This interview, gone. Mm-hmm. Hypothetical. But you get to leave behind three lessons to the world. And this is all we have to remember right. you by. And I like to yeah. call it three truths. What would right. those be for you? Oh, I like this. I like this. I've never answered this before. So I'm going to reflect on some of the things we spoke mm-hmm. about. The first one would be always live in gratitude. Mm-hmm. The second one would be always radiate love. And the third one would be raise your children with positive beliefs. Mm with only positive beliefs. I love that. Um, it's a great truth. It's powerful. I want to acknowledge you, Vision, for how you continue to show up in the world. Again, the way you show up with Mind Valley, your events, you do a lot of curated events as well, but you're constantly trying to innovate, simplifying, living a better life. Thank you. There's a lot of complexities to the world. There's a lot of adversity, challenges, uh, negative energy in the world. And everything you touch and create has an intention, I feel, is trying to impact people in a positive way. Thank you. So I really acknowledge your brilliant mind, your engineering mind, and how you bring love, peace, and healing through engineering. I think it's really unique the way you bring this to the world. So I'm really grateful for you. I acknowledge you for this book, your mission, 
of service, which is what we're, you're really here to do. Yeah. My final question for you, what's your definition of greatness? Ooh, that's interesting. I think greatness is understanding that the point of life is to live. Mm -hmm. And we forget that. We think the point of life is the accolades or the career or the company. All of those are just vehicles to move you towards really living, having the abundance, the juicy emotional states, the creative creativity to live. And mm -hmm. living means adventure, travel, being in love. To me, it's raising kids, mm -hmm. it's seeing the world, it's connecting with people, it's discovery, it's growth, it's romance, it's sex, it's all of these different things. And I've started to learn that that is what life is about. I'm 47, right? I'm, well, I'm gonna be 47, and I wanna dedicate the rest of my life to living. I love my company, and I love my mission, but that's gonna be secondary mm -hmm. to truly living. Mm, vision, thanks my man. Appreciate you. Good times. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. And also make sure to share this with a friend and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts as well. I really love hearing feedback from you guys. So share a review over on Apple and let me know what part of this episode resonated with you the most. And if no one's told you lately, I want to remind you that you are loved, you are worthy, and you are matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great. Mm -hmm.